welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. The Holy Gospel according to John, the 20th chapter. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came, so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, the disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. I received an Easter greeting the other day from Rabbi Lowell Kronick. The rabbi is a very senior chaplain with the Department of Veterans Affairs, the VA. The rabbi provides other chaplains guidance on spiritual matters pertaining to Jewish veterans of our armed forces. And now 
more than a few years ago. He was my instructor in the palliative care course at the National Chaplain Center in Hampton, Virginia. In emailing a Passover and Easter greeting to fellow chaplains, Rabbi Kronick observed, Passover and Easter stand for recovery apart from impossible odds. It occurred to me as I read his greeting that today's gospel lesson is rather like that. Uh, the beginning of the recovery for the disciples. The season of Easter, celebrating the impossible odds of the resurrection. And likewise, the impossible odds that in that handful of men, Jesus' followers, would go on to become the church. From confused and confounded, huddled in a locked room, to becoming the one holy Catholic and apostolic church was indeed most improbable. Yet here we are. 2,000 years later. And the same one, the very one, that they called Lord and God, we call Lord and God. Echoing a message first announced to the women at the empty tomb and then shared beyond by fishermen and tax collectors before emperors and kings, the church grew and flourished, ultimately to prevail against impossible odds. Overcoming efforts both great and small to silence its message, enduring persecutions and even today pandemics, proclaimed by thousands of millions the Easter anthem remains the same. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Now, let us be brutally honest, the church is imperfect to be sure, warts and all often on full display, for we are flawed messengers. And yes, the church is divided and yet united, dying yet still alive, leading Christians to embrace being called those Easter people. Within that context, I want you to listen again to just a portion of the second lesson that, that Blaine read moments ago. It's from the fifth chapter of the book of Acts, where Luke writes, a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men, those early followers of Jesus, outside for a little while. His words were for the council alone. And he said to the council, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. In the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of men, it will fail. But if it is of God, 
you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. Such was the wisdom of the Pharisee called Gamaliel. But now I want you to listen to another man. Astonishingly, uh, this man is a Roman citizen of the ancient world, a Pharisee, and himself schooled by Gamaliel. Luke writes of him and his address the following. Brothers and fathers, listen to the defense that I now make before you. Luke went on, And when the council heard the man addressing them in Hebrew, they became even more quiet. And then he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, educated strictly according to our ancestral law, being zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way up to the point of death by binding both men and women and putting them in prison, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. From them I also received letters to the brothers in Damascus, and I went there in order to bind those who were there and to bring them back to Jerusalem for punishment. While I was on my way, and approaching Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone about me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? Then he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. That Pharisee's name was Saul, who after his conversion, you would recognize and known as the Apostle Paul. And Paul would go on to become the single most prolific writer and evangelist in the New Testament. How could that be? Well, Gamaliel said it straight. If these messengers are of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. And so we are here, 2,000 years later, echoing the very message first announced to the women at the empty tomb, shared by fishermen and former tax collectors, before emperors and kings, Overcoming efforts, both great and small, to silence the message, a message embraced by Paul, a former adversary. We are here again this year, joining with brothers and sisters in Christ, and this is Easter Sunday in the Orthodox churches, announcing to the world, he has risen, because we are the church both product and evidence of the activity of the Holy Spirit, animated by that Spirit, alive and well. On Easter Sunday, we considered 
the message and mission revealed by an angel and by Jesus at the tomb, wherein the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, I know you seek Jesus. And where Jesus said, Do not be afraid, go and tell. Last week, I called that the church's assurance and the church's assignment, in spite of impossible odds. Last week in a Zoom meeting with other pastors of the North American Lutheran Church, someone mentioned, almost in passing, that they had once heard Professor James Nestigan, one of the North American Lutheran Church's preeminent theologians, comment on the scene of today's gospel lesson where, on Easter evening, the disciples hid and huddled in a locked room, fearing Jesus' fate might befall them. In describing the isolated and fear-gripped disciples, Dr. Nestigan commented, he observed that those defeated disciples were what the church looked like before or without the animating power of the Holy Spirit. To receive that spirit, the disciples had to wait until Pentecost in Luke's tradition. But in John, it was that night that Jesus conferred the spirit upon them, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that we confess as the third person of the Holy Trinity, where with the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit completes the name and the nature of Christian God. The Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, was so important to the early church that all three of its creeds reserved an entire section, we call those articles, an entire article for confessing the sometimes shy and sometimes bold Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was so, so present for the early church that Matthew and his gospel in the final scene, Jesus charged the disciples there to go and make other disciples. And as Matthew wrote his gospel, he recalled that Jesus was very intentional in telling them how that was to be done. Making of disciples would be accomplished through preaching and by the sacrament of initiation called baptism. The Christian sacrament of initiation was to be administered through a formula so important. Jesus gave the specific instruction to the disciples and so to the church when he said in Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. Now that Easter has passed and Pentecost approaches, it is good to be mindful that Jesus did not leave upon this earth a single written word, no books, 
There are no recordings of him, no pictures. Chronicling Jesus' three-year ministry would only be taken up years later by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the scriptures upon which Jesus relied were the first testament of the Bible that came to be called within uh, Christian tradition, the Old Testament, though perhaps maybe more precisely, the first testament. What Jesus did create, what Jesus did leave to carry on his ministry was a particular community. A community. And Jesus called that worshiping community the church. And that church would be animated by a spirit, a Holy Spirit, so enduring, so abiding. Well, in Jesus' words, the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Without that animating Holy Spirit, you see, the church would have been, the church would be today, like uh, the disciples sequestered behind locked doors. Without the animating Holy Spirit, this congregation would merely be one association of people, one organization among many. And in your own experience, how many organizations sit even in this community with shuttered windows and empty halls. Fading monuments to those who came, flourished and vanished over the years. How many? But not the church. Why is that? How did Jesus know? What did he know? Infused by the Holy Spirit, Jesus knew the church would not, could not be long hidden behind locked doors, closed doors. For proclaiming the gospel and making disciples, the church would indeed be struck down many times, only to rise again. Animated by the Holy Spirit, strengthened by the witness of saints and martyrs, the church endures. In fact, the church flourishes most when evil wills it be silent. It has been said there's no greater peril to the church than good times and comfortable circumstances. And now, to our little small part of God's great world, to our small part in God's grand design, this congregation, this congregation, soon enough to be seeking another pastor to lead it. Together, you are the church in this time and in this place. Individually, you may seem small. You may feel powerless. You might even feel in these particular days isolated and alone. Yet I tell you, you are part of something far greater, far grander than our limited human understanding can fully fathom. For you I know to be and you are animated by the same spirit that has emboldened 
every believer since the day of Pentecost. This congregation's mission, this congregation's ministry, expressed through its ministry in this time, in this place, makes each one of you unique individually, but also gives you identity and connection collectively. And all of this stems from those first words spoken by an angel and then by the Lord himself on Easter morning. Do not be afraid, for I know you seek Jesus. And Jesus who said, do not be afraid, go and tell others. As you seek and as you speak, you are the church. The things you do are not done in isolation, but are part of that impossible relationship between you and God, born of faith in Jesus Christ and his resurrection. In a single word, you are the church, with Christ as its head, animated by the Holy Spirit, the church that shall abide until Christ returns to claim his own for all eternity. And so this morning, may the final word be that of Jesus, who said in Luke's gospel, have no fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You who are the church. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 KL Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.